Searching for a new home? Make todayshomebc.com your online home base. With easy-to-search listings and connections to local realtors, everything you need is under one roof. Powered by Black Press Media, you can search hundreds of local listings all in one place. Access the top real estate professionals to help you find the perfect home today at todayshomebc.com. This is the Mojon Sports Podcast. A deeper dive into the great personalities we know and love. Now, here's your host, Bob the Moj Marjanovich. Welcome to MojonSports.com. This is episode 31. Our subject in this episode is BC Lions wide receiver Brian Burnham. Burnham has dazzled on the CFL level for almost a decade. And his journey to north of the border is an amazing one. The bio, Brian Burnham, next. You're listening to the Mojon Sports Podcast. Every athlete is looking for a competitive edge, and you can find one at stokodesign.com. The K1 Embrace system wraps your legs with over 90 feet of high-strength support cables that are directly integrated into an ultra-comfortable compression tape. The cabling is positioned to naturally move with you, supporting your knee when you need it most. You can customize your level of support with two control dials in the waistband. This is the future of knee support. Stokadesign.com. Got to tell you about my friends at the Clayton Public House. Talk about a great room. Just huge, spacious, plenty of light. The food is unbelievable. And by the way, did I mention they just rented their patio? Check it all out. The Clayton Public House. 5640 188th Street in Surrey. This is the Mojon Sports Podcast. Time now for our feature bio. Here's Bob the Moj Marjanovich. Welcome to episode 31 of the bio, Mojonsports.com. It's the Moj, Bob Marjanovich, with a guest who, well, has had an outstanding career in the Canadian Football League. He is the one and only Brian Burnham. Receiver with the BC Lions. Brian, thanks for doing this. No problem. It's my pleasure, finally. Yeah, finally. We've had a little bit of a delay, but hey, we're in business now, and I'm glad that we are. Um, as with all of our subjects, we talk a little bit about childhood growing up. For you, it was in Moorestown, New Jersey, the yeah. son of a professional football player, Lem Barney, who I, played, who I believe played defensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles. What was that like growing up in Morristown, New Jersey, the son of a, a pro athlete? It was cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean. You can expand on that a little bit, or this could be a real short interview. That's like, <laughs> end of story. No, I mean, it was awesome, man. I mean, this is like any kid's dream to, to have a dad that played in the NFL. Like, it's just so cool. And from... I mean, as early as I can remember, I wanted to play football because that's what he did, you know. So um, it's, it's, it was cool growing up, being able to, uh, you know, he would take me around the, the, the Eagles facility sometimes and uh, getting to meet some of his old teammates and some of the current Eagles and uh, just kind of growing up in that atmosphere was, was pretty awesome. Uh, Who were some of the, the players that you remember that, you know, kind of impacted you when you got to meet him at the facility? Man, uh, I mean, a few that jump out, uh, Donovan McNabb, that was always one of my, one of my favorite players, Brian Dawkins. I mean, that's a guy that, uh, 
still to this day I look up to and just respect so much as as a football player as I've gotten older the more you learn about the man behind the mask you know the the guy off the field um but Brian Dawkins was always you know one of my favorite players and uh a guy that's that's jumping to the front of my mind right now is Javon Curse uh, when he was with the Philadelphia Eagles I remember shaking his hand as a kid and his hand just engulfed mine and just I just felt so small um but being able to be around those guys was just it was awesome it was just really cool and then some of his old teammates Harry Carmichael um guys like that it's just really really cool Harold Carmichael I mean great receiver in his day talk about a big target you mentioned a lot of the guys that your dad worked I guess with as a sports psychologist with the Eagles but when you were growing up watching your dad or you one of those kids that kind of his favorite player was another guy on the team, maybe Harold Carmichael, or, or was it your dad growing up? Well, I was actually, I, when I was born, he had, he had been retired for a few years. Okay. So I never got to watch him play live, but my, I, was, I had his VHS uh, tapes, highlight tapes that I would watch just every day. And no, he, he, I was one of those kids where it was, no, my, my favorite player is my dad. And then whoever, after that, my, my favorite player was always my dad. Um, uh, so yeah, anytime I had friends come over the house or anything, I would always, first thing we did was go put the VHS in and uh, watch his highlights. And uh, yeah, I was always loved watching my dad play. By the, by the way, VHS, we're losing a lot of people on that now. <laughs> no idea what i'm talking about <laughs> like, what the hell's a vhs um so you 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 have a dad that plays in the national football league as a young kid growing up was there kind of that pressure of having to be the best and i'm not saying necessarily from your dad but from say kids at school your dad plays in the nfl you, you should be great or you should be an all-star or you should be the best at this was did you get a lot of that growing up so kind of like you mentioned, I didn't get it from my dad. I don't think he would have cared if I was a pro athlete or just whatever, whatever, whatever interested me, whatever I wanted to do, he would have been proud of as long as I gave 100% and I did what I loved. But uh, definitely from from school, um, from kids at school, from teammates, uh, once I got into high school, uh, starting out, I wasn't very good. I was kind of, I hadn't like grown in to my body yet I was kind of awkward and but once I got into high school I started you know all the kids that were better than me I started to get better and better and better while they kind of plateaued and um people realized pretty quick that I was a really good athlete that I was a good football player and definitely people would mention that I remember just being like a sophomore in high school people talking about man when you make it to the NFL you know I'm gonna come hang out at your house or come to games stuff like that and I guess I never thought of it as pressure I always kind of just thought it was cool I was never like a like a cool kid in school until I became good at football and people clung on to that and thought that was cool um but I guess when I started to feel the pressure was when I wasn't getting the scholarship offers when I was going into my senior year in high school and I didn't have any scholarship offers and 
you know, people would always ask me, where are you going to go to school? Where are you going to go play? And I was, I don't, I don't know. And definitely started to feel the pressure a little bit there. I was getting stressed until I finally did get a scholarship offer, but nobody, nobody in Morristown, New Jersey knew anything about Tulsa, University of Tulsa. So um, I want to say it wasn't hard, but it was like, people would kind of be, you, you could sense that people were let down when they were like, where are you going? You're going to Alabama, Miami, Florida, well, Penn State, uh, Tulsa. And they're like, oh, what's that? Where's that? So uh, dealing with that was, you know, whatever. I mean, I was happy. I was excited. So I guess I didn't really feel the pressure from other kids that much. Did, uh, did you play other sports growing up or is it just football? Yeah, I was playing basketball, baseball, soccer, uh, track and field in high school. I was pretty good at. Um, yeah, um, I, I was playing pretty much everything, but I, but I, I, excelled, I excelled on the football field. Yeah. Yeah. You came from a very athletic family, though. I mean, we talk about your dad, yeah. Lamb, but, you know, doing some research here, your brother, Lewis, played oh. uh, for North Carolina. You had two sisters. Uh, Shannon went to St. Francis University. She played basketball. Yeah. Uh, your sister, Kira, went to Mount Clare, where she played both basketball and volleyball. Man, uh, your driveway must have been a hub of activity growing up. It was. It was. And shout out to my mom. She played basketball at uh, Temple University. Oh, wow. And then, uh, yeah, also a quick shout out to my brother-in-law, Carl Ulmer, who also played basketball at St. Francis. That's where he met my sister. Um, but yeah, well, there was always competition in the siblings. And uh, man, there was never took it easy on each other. I mean, me and my sister, uh, Kara, had some battles in the driveway and battles in the house. And just, man, it was, it was, yeah. Um, but obviously came a time where they realized that I was a little bit different, a little more driven towards athletics than other things. Um, so, yeah. It's funny you talk about basketball. I remember talking to Larry Fitzgerald and Marcus Fitzgerald, <clears throat> the Fitzgerald brothers. Of course, Larry, so many great years in the NFL. And I was talking to Marcus one time and he says, yeah, he goes, Larry, he goes, he would just like, you know, just like to back his ass up and just basically just keep backing up and then turn around and take a shot and think that he was a basketball player, right? Like, you got to tell me you, you were better than that, that you probably had some moves like a jumper driving in the hoop. You were just weren't one of those back it up guys, turn around and shoot where you didn't like bully your sisters that way. Well, no, I didn't bully my sisters that way, but I wasn't necessarily a ball handler as much as I was just like a slasher, I was just get the ball and wow. full head of steam to the, to the rim. Didn't, didn't matter who was in front of me. Didn't care if they called a charge. I was going, I was going to the rim hard. Um, who was the best baller in your family? The best baller in my family. Uh, honestly, probably, probably my sister, Kara. Yeah. Yeah. It was, she, awesome. she played, she's, she was an aggressive basketball player. So yeah, she was. She, I, I'll give her the title of best hooper in the family. So you, you wind up going to Tulsa. Take us through that process. I mean, it, it sounded like you know you were a little disappointed considering the fact that you know you had a great high school career and I believe you led the New Jersey great Group Three state uh, state title as a senior. 
Um, you had you were a DB in high school too, according to some notes that I dug up, right? Playing everything. Yeah. I never came off the field in high school. Yeah. So you wind up going to Tulsa. I am. What was that like going to Tulsa, getting away from home? I mean, out of your comfort zone. Oklahoma's a long way from New Jersey. The last time I checked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't quite know what I was getting myself into. Um, like at that point, all I cared about was getting a Division One scholarship offer, going D one. Um, I had a I had a scholarship offer to play at a Villanova, which at the time one AA, FCS now whatever it is. Um, but my heart, my mind was set on D one, and I think it was like two weeks before, uh, like National Signing Day. Um, Herb Hand, who is at Central Florida now, um, came to my high school. Uh, he was the O-line coach at Tulsa. And I remember them pulling me out of class and I walk into the hallway and he's standing there in all of his Tulsa gear and pulls me aside. He's like, we want to offer you a scholarship, um, but it's to play defensive back. And I, I, I don't care what it was to play. He said he wants to offer me a scholarship and I already in my mind, had said yes. Um, so, you know, I was set. You know, I was going to Tulsa and they brought me out for a visit. And honestly, I, I didn't know where I was going. I just knew I had a flight to go visit the University of Tulsa and obviously soon realized that it was in Oklahoma and uh, pretty far ways away, but I didn't care. So I jumped on it. I know my family was. My parents were proud of me. Um, they were excited for me. Um, I knew it was going to be tough for me, like leaving my friends, leaving my family. And I, again, didn't know what I, exactly what I was getting myself into. And uh, that first year, first two years of Tulsa were really difficult, really difficult. More with Brian Burnham coming up after these messages. Like what you hear? We'd love to have you on board with us as a partner. If you have a business that could benefit from partnering with us, please contact us at mojohnsports.com. Whenever it comes to tires or meeting your automotive needs, I only send my friends to one place, OK Tire in Langley. OK Tire in Langley is more than just tires. It's about complete automotive care, and it's about being treated right by my good friends, the Delaney family. Delaney's OK Tire in Langley, 19863 Fraser Highway, or call them at 604-530-2545. Redefine how you lead. Take the next step in your leadership journey with Ignite Management. Become a leader that positively impacts those around you. Create an environment where your team thrives. Be in control of your own development with a detailed analysis of your leadership style, complete with actionable insights and recommendations. Visit ignitemanagement.ca for more info. Discover what's happening around our province with todayinbc.com. Sign up today to get the latest news right to your inbox and never miss the news that's important to you and your family. From community news in your neighborhood to what's happening in our province, your source for daily news is todayinbc.com. You're listening to the Mojon Sports Podcast. Brian, you mentioned they were difficult. Was 
there ever that point where you decide where you thought to yourself you know what i'm i'm just gonna go home i've had enough did you ever get get close to that point yeah after my first year i was ready i was ready to pack it up and i was ready to get out of there there's just i mean i hear people say it sometimes and i kind of roll my eyes but at the same time i i understand like when you feel like a coaching staff not even the entire coaching staff you feel like a coach doesn't like you you feel like you're already on his bad side and there's no no recovery from it um it was difficult and i i love there's coaches that i loved from that coaching staff but the head coach is just somebody you know i'm not here to bash them but yeah it's interesting because you know when you're in college it's the fact that you feel like you know you might be getting passed on the depth chart and then there's new recruits coming in and you know you just uh, kind of you kind of feel on the outside looking in but what kept you going what what made you decide to stick with it uh my dad um after that first year you know i told him that i wanted i wanted to leave i wanted to transfer somewhere else and he told me to stick with it for another year and I did. And at that point, I started to, to kind of build relationships with people, with other players. I just told myself, we're going to make it work. And it wasn't just it wasn't just the head coach. It was the fact that, you know, I'm away from home in a state, in a city that is a lot different from Morristown, New Jersey. Um, you know, this is in a conservative area, a red state, somewhere that I wasn't very comfortable with. It was the first place that I ever truly dealt with like racism. Um, so I was just very uncomfortable out of my element and didn't know anybody, didn't have anybody that I could just go talk to. So that was tough. But at the same time, the college football schedule keeps you pretty busy. So there's not too much time to dwell. You're just moving from one thing to another. Yeah, I mean, I just stuck with it. And I told myself, it's gonna work out eventually. I just kept telling myself it's gonna work out and I'll try to envision myself in the future, making plays in that stadium at Tulsa and then moving on and going to the NFL and looking back at this time and like appreciating it, but it was hard. And that's when I kind of, I started to kind of lobby to to start playing receiver, but I stuck it out at DB for another two years. So how does the switch to wide receiver occur? Yeah, that was a summer. We are just in like summer training. And, uh, you know, I had been somewhat outspoken about not wanting to play defensive back, not wanting to play safety, wanting to be a receiver. You know, this is, I, I catch the ball. I'm really good at catching the football. Um, honestly, in, in my mind, I feel like it was the the coach's way of, getting me away from him he was the he was he was a defensive guy he was in charge of the defense and I kind of feel like he was just at the point where he was done with me as a defensive player so he shipped me over to offense I don't think he realized the potential I had at at receiver maybe he did but not long after they tell me I'm going to play receiver the receivers coach calls me in and he you know congratulates me on becoming a receiver and then immediately tells me that I'm not going to play. I'm basically not going to have the opportunity to compete to play. I'm going to be a special teamer 
And uh, that's that. So I played a year on special teams and, you know, played really well, played on all four special teams. And then after that season, the coaching staff leaves. And as soon as the new coaching staff comes, the first week of spring football, I'm a, I'm a starter at receiver. So that's where I'm just so grateful that I did stick it out because then it led me to this opportunity to, to be a starter and uh, have a great coaching staff that I did. You know, you've opened up a, a huge Pandora's box. And I say that because you being a receiver now know full well that every DB thinks he could be a receiver, right? So, like, I mean, if Gary Peters is watching this or, I don't know, Delvin Bro, whoever, yeah. I, mean, I could be a receiver. Like, you know, and then you know what they say about DBs, they're receivers with bad hands, right? So you're giving a lot of these guys hope as much as, you know, when you talk about this transition you went through. Yeah, yeah. I will tell Gary Peters he's he's a really good boundary corner. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, but you know what it's like. I mean, they all think they could be the receivers, right? And it's just like, no, you're a DB because, well, there's a reason you're a DB. Yeah. Talk about the, like, you know, you, you talked about finishing off on Tulsa on a strong note. You had mm -hmm. some highlights, of course, bowl games, et cetera. But, you know, now comes the next step with the pros. Take us through the NFL process for you. Well, that's where things got, yeah. I mean, things were going well at Tulsa once I moved to receiver. Had a really good year, uh, my redshirt junior season. Um, and then the first game of my redshirt senior year, I tear my ACL and I'm out for the season. And that entire time, I'm petitioning with the NCAA to give me a medical redshirt and allow me to come back for a sixth season. Plenty of players have, have been granted that opportunity. And uh, for whatever reason, the NCAA uh, rejected that. We appealed over and over, and it wasn't until May, well after the pro days and NFL draft, that they officially uh, rejected my my appeal. Uh, so I was kind of just stuck. Um, I graduated. I didn't have any eligibility left. Uh, I missed an opportunity to to potentially signed somewhere as a free agent however unlikely that would have been but um i also lost the window to go try out the cfl because all the teams had already started training camp by that point so uh i went home sleeping in my old bedroom living at my parents house for a summer yeah old man probably charging your rent as well um <laughs> you took history at tulsa if i'm not mistaken i mean were you thinking of becoming a teacher or were you going to expand on that i mean what were you thinking about if football didn't work out? Or were you always thinking, hey, I'm still going to give football the best effort I can? I was always thinking football. Yeah. Um, a quarterback in college a few years ago said he went to, he went to school to, to play football, not, not school. Mm -hmm. I kind of understand that because I went to the University of Tulsa to play football. I didn't go necessarily to get a great education. Obviously, in hindsight, that was an amazing opportunity that I'm grateful for. Um, but going in, I wanted to, I wanted to take something I was interested in. So history has always been something that I was always super interested in. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll take that.
not realizing yeah. how hard it is to write all those papers. There might be somebody that's watching this and might have a negative view in the sense that you just focused on football and perhaps didn't focus on academics as much. But I know even from my experience, I probably learned more through football playing at the collegiate level than I did in any classroom. And more that I learned in the game of football that I apply in my everyday life, more, you know, more lessons that I learned, life skills that I learned in the game than anything I learned in a classroom, if that makes sense. So, you know, when, when I hear people talk about athletics or, you know, the focus on athletics, I think a lot of times they overlook the fact that it's just not about playing the game, but it, it's about those life skills you learn, whether it's attention to detail, whether it's, you know, dedication, commitment, um, staying even keel, working with others. I mean, there's so many different things that you can hit on, overcoming adversity, um, all of it. And it just prepares you for the battle that is known as life. You said it, man. I mean, I, I agree 100%. I hate to admit it. I wasn't, I wasn't the hard worker back then that I, I, I am now and that I became in the CFL. I'm not, I was, I was lazy. I was unorganized. I was late to stuff. I was that guy that, you know, the meeting started, whatever, nine o'clock. I'm rolling in right at 8.59, uh, last second. How's that change? How did that change for you? Did somebody talk to you? Did somebody influence you or? Learn those lessons. You, you, you come late to come late to a 6 a.m. workout <laughs> and you're getting some punishment. You're, you're out there on the hot turf in the middle of summer uh doing bear crawls and and pushing plates and you know there there's there's consequences to you being a minute late there's no mom and dad to go home to and complain to <laughs> it's no you're you, they turn you into a man really quick and i've seen plenty of people not make it you know guys just can't handle it you know they fail out they they mess up piss off the coaches one too many times and you gotta learn quick. Luckily, I I never had discipline issues. My my issue was I want to get these extra ten minutes of sleep, so I'm gonna lay here a little bit. Oh crap! I got I got not to sprint to meetings and miss meetings enough. You miss class and you get that phone call from coach and your heart starts racing. And you know I know I know college football players understand what I'm talking about. Um, that's not a fun feeling. I still get anxiety when my phone rings thinking that it's a coach. You know, the, the one thing too, that I don't know about you, but I had a couple of experiences off field issues. I'm not going to get into specifics, <laughs> um, but you think you kind of got away with something and you're like, oh, it's all good. Coach didn't find out about it. And then it's like, actually he did. And when that happens, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, you mentioned consequences to pay. I imagine you were in a couple of those situations as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Hey, um, so Canada, the CFL, how does that all come about for you? My mission was always NFL. I never really thought too much about the CFL, but my sister, uh, Shannon, she, she works for the Lions. Mm -hmm. I mentioned uh, my brother-in-law, Carl, uh, she married him. He's from White Rock, BC, and uh, she moved up here years before I ever thought of coming up to Canada and uh, started working for the Lions. So she would kind of text me every once in a while, just talking about the Lions. And, um, you know, if I ever, you know, want to need anything from her to let her know. 
And uh, I got to that point where I didn't know what to do. I was back in my parents' house. I actually remember being up late one night, slipping through the channels and I flipped to ESPN and there's a CFL game on. And I sit there and watch it. I'm like, man, this is pretty sweet. And that's when I really started to be like, okay, so if the NFL doesn't work out, I want to try out the CFL thing. And uh, I went through pro day at Tulsa. No NFL teams wanted me. So I got in contact through my sister um, with the Lions. And they invited me to an open tryout in Seattle about a week before training camp opened. And uh, they signed me out of that open tryout and got up to training camp. And yeah, the rest is basically history. A lot yeah. happened. Was the transition easier going from Tulsa to the CFL and the Lions than it was going, say, from high school to Tulsa? Or was there a, a tough period of adjustment as well? There was a little bit of an adjustment period, but uh, that's really interesting you say that because my dad always told me the jump from high school to college is going to be much harder than the jump from college to the next level. Mm -hmm. uh, and I felt the first few years in college going from being the best athlete in your school to these were all the best athletes in their school. Yeah. The competition level is, is so much, so much different from high school to college. But yeah, there's definitely a jump to the CFL, but, but that jump from, from high school to college was, was definitely bigger. One of the things you hear from athletes when they become pros is learning how to manage their time. And not necessarily that you're busy all the time, but more so that, you know, you've got to get your workouts in, you've got to get your film work in, you've got to eat healthy, you know, rest properly, all of those things. Did, was that a part of a transition too? Because I know in college, it's much more regimented, right? I mean, they basically got you all the way through. It's like a, it's like being yeah. in the military with some yeah. schools. Whereas when you get to the pros, it's like, okay, two o'clock, you know, you're out of the facility at two, two thirty. What are you going to do now for the rest of the day? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and luckily for me, I, I had some guys to kind of cling on to. Um, when I got up to BC, Courtney Taylor, uh, Manny Arsenault, guys like that. Me and TJ Lee started, we, we started hanging out right away. For, for me, the difference is that in college, you always, you always have somebody kind of holding your hand, bringing you along. You miss a class, you miss a workout. There's a coach calling you right now. Hey, where are you? Where are you? Why aren't you in workouts? Uh, why did you miss meal, meal hall? Why did you miss study hall? Why, where, where are you? And, and the pros, you don't have that necessarily. It's, if you're late, you know, this is your job is finally on the line. You can mess up. You can be late as much as you want, really, in college. You're not going to lose your scholarship necessarily. You get to the pros, you're late. You miss a practice as a as a rookie. Yeah. So that's that you're, you're going home. You know, when you look at that transition, so many people talk about what we were talking about, managing the time and all that. Um, you mentioned Courtney Taylor, Manny Arsenal, among others. I mean, were those guys real mentors to you? Did they kind of really help you along when you first came out? And, you know, was it more, you know, physical stuff on the field? Was it more mental in terms of preparation, psychological? How did they really impact you? Honestly, I can't. I, I mean, 
I put so much just value in the time I was able to spend with those guys um, on the field, off the field, um, and just in life, the kind of lessons I've learned from them, the way that we were able to talk and discuss and, and, and just, like I said, talk about life. They were mentors in so many different ways, the ins and outs of kind of what it takes to, to stay on the team, what it takes to excel in this league. From, from Courtney Taylor, CT, the way I run routes is largely from him. Um, he kind of, like, like a lot of rookies who come up here playing from playing American football, you know, everything's full speed. Everything is running as hard as you can. And in Canada, it's a little different. And that's something that I try to tell the young guys. It takes more patience to run your routes up here, especially with the 10 yard head start and just all the different defenses the diff with the 12th man. There's just so many different things that go into playing Canadian football. Um, and Courtney really helped me with that. One, one of the things that, you know, when people talk about Brian Burnham and trust me, I've seen a lot of your games, you know, calling him or being him on the sidelines. And I'll be honest, you're not the biggest guy. You're not six, five. You're not the fastest guy. You're not a burner. Who's running like four, three, but I mean, if there's a football between you and a, a DB, I'm taking you 99 times out of a hundred. It's just, it's amazing how you come up with a, a football in those jump ball competitions. And I'm thinking to myself, does that kind of really all the way go back to like playing basketball in the driveway? Like, you know what I mean? Like going up for a rebound because in a way I'm thinking to myself, where does that come from? Where does that competitiveness come from when the ball is in the air to say it's mine? And I kind of like revert back to your childhood. Do you think a lot of it stems from like, you know, just the competition you had growing up with your siblings? Yeah, it does. It does. You had to, you had to fight to win with my siblings. Yeah. There's no letting up. You know, it comes from just playing backyard ball with my dad. He would always, he'd always challenge me. You know, we would, he, we would go out after he got home from work and he would throw the football around with me and he would throw it far. He would make it hard for me to go catch it. It wasn't like he was mad at me if I didn't catch it. it he wasn't yeah. like hard on me like that, but he, he, you know, he wanted to see what I could do. He wanted to challenge me. And, uh, I think a lot of that stems from just just him throwing the ball up in the backyard and me going to get it. And then the aggressiveness just from the lessons that he's taught me, the lessons that I've learned the hard way. And then honestly, a little bit comes from playing defensive back yeah. at the college level, going up and filling the gaps and having to be aggressive and having to throw your body into things. Uh, that physical nature, I think, comes from from that you've had so many great years with the bc lions and you know people talk about brian burnham being one of the elite players in the canadian football league which you are um but i think a lot of times with athletes everybody always thinks it's hunky dory that you know the entire world is your oyster that you know everything is great and, and i think a lot of times people fail to recognize that athletes are human beings and they go through the the same, you know, trials and tribulations that we do in the adversity. And at the end of the 2021 season, you posted something on Instagram. It was a lengthy post and it was a beautiful story, very poignant, very emotional, written from the heart. 
And you talked about the difficulties that you had as an athlete in terms of some of the things you're dealing with off the field um, with your partner in terms of, you know, trying to, to have a trying to get a child. And I read it and I was like, it was, it was amazing because I think a lot of times athletes don't let people in or, or they just kind of, you know, hold their feelings inside, but you kind of put it all out there and you made the point of like, Hey, you know, this was a real tough year. I mean, this is what I had to go through. Why did you do that? Were you trying to help other people? Did you want to let people know that it, that it's okay to speak out? I mean, why did you write that post on social media on Instagram? I think it, it was part me wanting to, to use my platform to, to help other people knowing that this is something that people go through, you know, people deal with, with mental health, with, with just hard times. So I wanted to help. And at the same time, I felt like I was lifting this weight off of myself. So I was helping myself by just putting it out there and just, I just felt like when I posted that, I wasn't holding on to it anymore. I was just, I was just letting go of it and, and letting it be known because I had suppressed so much for so long that I was just, I had just gotten to a point where I was sick of it. Yeah. I wanted to help other people. And at the same time, I wanted to help myself. And I imagine you got a lot of love and support from your friends and teammates as well. I did. Yeah. It, was, it was really cool. It was, it was, it was cool to, to let guys know how much they helped me through that season uh, who had, who had no idea what they were doing. They had no idea, you know, the, the things they, they did the way they acted around me, just, just being normal, just being the guys joking, just that those relationships, how much that was helping me uh, as I was going through, you know, one of the hardest times of my life. Yeah. I, uh, I'm going to ask you a pointed question. And, and I remember this because the last game against Edmonton, it was a blowout. I mean, you guys won. And I remember you, you just, at the end, I don't know, maybe it was just all the weight that you had on you, but it's just like, you could just see that, you know, it wasn't the real Brian, the, the same Brian Burnham that I'd seen after wins. It was, it was like you were carrying this cross almost. And I know you were short of the thousand yards, but I think more so it was just everything that you'd gone through that kind of, you just kind of felt the weight at that moment, it seemed. Yeah, I think in my mind, I was telling myself I was pissed off about not getting a thousand yards because mm-hmm. that was like going through all those hard times. I still had that mission. I'm going to go get a thousand yards. That's my mission. I'm going to get it. I'm going to do it. I'm getting close. Last game of the season, I only need X amount. I'm going to do it. And then you don't do it. And that was like the final, the final straw that was yeah. like, just, just like, God, that pain on top of all the other pain that I had been trying to suppress. Just, I just, and, and I was also dealing with a broken hand. Yeah. And just, I, I don't even know where I was in that moment, just in a bad place. And honestly also thinking about the fact that as much as I wanted to go home to my wife and be with her and as much as I love spending time with her I knew the one thing that was kind of keeping me going keeping me keeping my mind going keeping my head on straight 
keeping me smiling was being around the guys, being in the locker room. And now that that's gone too, it's back to reality. So, yeah. Um, The story does have a happy ending because you do have an addition to the roster. Tell us about that and how exciting and how much of a joy that's been. Yeah, through all the hard times of trying to start a family, um, my wife came to me and said that, you know, I want to keep trying, but I want to be a foster parent. And I didn't like the idea at first, just because I think I was scared and I didn't want to let go of, you know, the idea of, of, of having kids of our own. But yeah, I, I jumped on board with her and uh, went through a bunch of training. And, and finally, we, we got a foster son on uh, February 15th. And, you know, we, we hope that we're able to to make him a part of our family for, for life. But um, whatever happens, we're just so happy and proud to putting a roof over this kid's head and, and to be loving him and to, to be giving him what he needs to thrive uh, as a child. So it's, it's honestly been the, the best times of my life since we've gotten him on February 15th. And uh, I just love him. Yeah, man, my wife loves him. And we've just been, it's just been awesome. It's been really great. Uh, it's, it's changing. It kind of puts everything in perspective when, you know, you have a bad day at work or at the office or say at the facility or a game and you come home and you got this smiling face looking at you and you're just like, yeah, okay, this is cool. Yeah. This is what yeah. this one's important. Yeah. It kind of, yeah. it kind of yeah. makes everything like puts everything into a perspective. Hey, um, I, I'm going to touch on one final story before we let you go. Um, you say that Remember the Titans is your favorite football movie, favorite movie, period? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever, have you ever met, did you ever meet, he's passed, but did you ever meet Coach Boone, Herman Ike Boone? I did not. I did. I'm going to tell you a story because you're, if you remember the Titans fan, you're going to love this. So we were in the Super Bowl in Jacksonville, and it was Saturday, day before the game, and we were going golfing. And I'm sitting there waiting for my ride to pick me up at the, the hotel, and I see this gentleman walking towards me, older gentleman, he's like maybe 75, whatever the case was, 70, in his 70s. And there's two younger kids, probably in their 30s, kind of waiting around. And the older man was pretty fired up. And he, he walks up and he drops a couple of MFs. And the kids go, what's wrong? He goes, MF, he says, these kids almost ran me over. And I gave him, you know, like I gave him some crap and he goes, and then they kind of turned around and they said, settle down, old man. And I, oh, like, and he's like, he's just, and I looked at the young kid who was like 30. I go, man, I go, the man's full of fire and brimstone. He goes, you watch, remember the Titans? I go, yeah. He goes, that's coach Boone. Right. And I was like, whoa. Right. So I introduced myself and he was such a great, great man, such a nice person. And we wound up interviewing him um on radio we, we brought him on and we talked about the, the whole story and here's the kicker that you know as much as people talk about remember the titans and everything they went through and all that herman ike boone kind of hinted that hey this was a lot worse than what this was remember this is a disney movie okay yeah. right yeah. so if it's a disney movie there's a lot of stuff that kind of got downright he talked about the scene the scene where the toilet went through the window he said it just wasn't the toilet it was like all the contents of the toilet, but you didn't see that in the Disney movie, but that's what happened in real life. But having the opportunity to meet him and speak with the late coach Boone was, 
was absolutely amazing. And it was just a treat to meet him. And it was an even bigger treat to interview him on a couple of occasions after that. So there you go. A little remember the Titan story for you to wrap it up. Watch that movie so many times. (laughs) (laughs) Brian, thanks so much for doing this. Um, It was a treat um, just talking about your story and obviously an inspiration to a lot of people. And thank you so much for doing this. It was awesome. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, you know, giving me the platform to, to speak on this stuff. Don't always necessarily get to do it. So, so yeah, I appreciate it. Take care, Brian. All the best. All right. You too. CanadianEvergreen.com is your trusted news source for all things green, offering up-to-date news and stories from Canada's booming cannabis industry. Content you can trust from Black Press Media.